And I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Uh, Tonight we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6, a familiar passage to probably uh, most of you. Uh, I tried to get creative in the sermon title that I submitted, uh, but I didn't have anything too creative, so I went with uh, the old traditional Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6, again, we'll look at uh, the entire uh, chapter. On this Easter Sunday this morning, um, Pastor Dale uh, took us uh, through Job in his, his uh, chapter 19, My Redeemer Lives, and uh, tonight we'll also see some uh, wonderful uh, parallels uh, and pointers uh, to an empty tomb. So God is kind to providentially order even these sermons in such a way that uh, we could give some, some uh, thought even today uh, to the resurrected Christ, even from these Old Testament places. So from Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, this is God's Word. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find a ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And these men came by agreement and found Daniel, making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. 
Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of the day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's ask God's blessing as we come to Him. Father, would you open now our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to um, feel uh, the, the weight, the glory of the reality of a living God who is for us, who rescues Daniel out of the mouths of lions and who can deliver us May it be that you give us faith to see and to receive this truth tonight. For Jesus' sake and in his name we pray, amen. Well, no doubt, uh, Daniel chapter 6, the night that Daniel spent with the lions in the den is uh, one of our favorite stories, one of the most well-beloved, memorable stories in all of the Old Testament. Uh, If I took a poll of our churches, especially of the children, I'm guessing Daniel and the lion's den would uh, be right at the top of that list. I know that he would in in my household. And and boys and girls, um, these were real lions. Verse 24, near the end of uh, the chapter, we read uh, that those who maliciously uh, accused Daniel were then thrown into the den of lions, and before they could even reach the bottom, the lions overpowered them and broke their bones in pieces. Daniel's deliverance is God's answer to the question, 
that Darius wrestled with all night long. Can God rescue Daniel from the lion's den? And in many ways, that's the same sort of question uh, that the exiles were wrestling with as well. Is God the kind of God who is able to deliver us from exile and bring us back home? And I think it's a relevant question for us tonight as we gather this evening under His Word. Is the God whom we serve tonight, is He the God who can deliver us from our sin? Is He a God who can deliver your loved one from darkness? Is He the kind of God that can rescue us from addiction to sin and bondage to sin and slavery to sin? Is the God of Daniel 6 uh, the the God who is able to rescue a a dead marriage? Is this the kind of God that that we serve? And chapter 6 shows us uh, that it is indeed this God. And so let's look together uh, as we move through the story as it's told to us, beginning with the, the trap, the trap. Uh, now, we're told at the outset that Darius is now king. Chapter 5, uh, you might remember from last week, uh, ends by telling us that uh, the Medes and Persians who joined forces uh, overtook the Babylonians and Belshazzar and now were uh, uh, in control of the kingdom. Uh, but there's some confusion as to the actual identity of who this, uh, this, this man was, Darius the Mede. And one possibility is that Darius the Mede is just another name for Cyrus the Persian. Uh, Actually, the last verse of our uh, chapter, verse 28, says, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian, uh, but it could be translated, uh, the reign of Darius, that is the reign of Cyrus. But we cannot know for sure. But what we can know for sure is that kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Kings come and kings go. But one thing remains the same in the book of Daniel, and that's Daniel himself. Daniel just keeps uh, plodding along. Uh, Daniel's about 80 years old now, and and for the last almost 70 years, he's been faithfully serving uh, the kingdom. Uh, He is a a testament to the letter that uh, Jeremiah sent to the exiles uh, in Jeremiah 29, which uh, Grace Fellowship, you'll remember, we looked at uh, in uh, the first chapter of the book of Daniel, where it says uh, to the exiles living in Babylon, seek the welfare of your community. That's exactly what Daniel has been doing. He is doing what Jesus would later teach us to do, to live in the world, but not of the world. Wherever Daniel went, uh, it seemed like he had the blessing of God upon him. Wherever he went, he was promoted, and the same thing happens here. Uh, Darius uh, uh, puts 120, they're called satraps, over his uh, kingdom, over the provinces of uh, the Persian Empire. Uh, These were uh, governors, Uh, but Daniel was one of three men who served as sort of vice presidents. In fact, the text tells us uh, King Darius was about to uh, promote Daniel uh, even higher so that he would be the second man in the entire kingdom. Uh, But that is when uh, envy walked in. These governors, these other officials, these satraps, uh, didn't like the accolades that Daniel was receiving. 
And so they begin working to conspire to come up with a plan uh, how to trap Daniel. They look to his civic record and they can't find anything. There's no dirt on Daniel whatsoever. And so they quickly realize that the only way they're going to get Daniel is if they pit his fidelity to the king against his higher loyalty to his God. And that's exactly what they do. Would it be true of us that if the world brings a false accusation, they do so in such a way that pits our fidelity to those that we serve and work in the communities in which we live against our higher loyalty to the living God? This is a testimony to Daniel's integrity and God's grace in his life. So an idea was birthed. Uh, They decide to come up with a plan uh, that would forbid a person to worship any god or, other, or any man other than the king for 30 days. And if anyone did, he or she would be thrown into a den of lions. And so this is the plan that they bring to King uh, Darius. Uh, it is an irrevocable law, or at least that's uh, what they were trying to convince the king of the law of the Medes and the Persians. Notice their plan also had a lie in it. Uh, It it says all the high officials were in agreement together. That's not true because uh, Daniel was never consulted. We're reminded again, I think, of echoes of Psalm 2, which we've seen over and over again in the opening chapters of Daniel that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, in this case, against Daniel. Notice also the the powerlessness of King Darius. It's striking. It's meant to be striking. It's meant to be obvious that when it's all said and done, uh, Darius is, in essence, a puppet king. He's following the demands of these governors because he's a politician, because he wants to uh, save face in the kingdom. And so with this plan, the trap was set. The only question uh, was, how would Daniel respond? How would Daniel respond? Verses 10 through 18, then we find uh, the test and how Daniel does. I want you to notice with me in verse 10, if your Bibles are open, how beautiful Daniel's response is uh, to this edict that goes out. Look with me at verse 10 and see it for yourself. It says this, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, I love that. When, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Daniel did not have an architect tell him that this was aesthetically pleasing. There's a reason he had windows open to Jerusalem, and it was based on something Solomon said back in the book of Kings at the dedication of the temple. There he said, predicting a future exiled people, when you're living in exile, pray to the living God and set your face toward Jerusalem to do so. And that's exactly what Daniel was doing. Three times a day, he faithfully would get on his knees, and the text says 
he gave thanks. Isn't that amazing? That he gave thanks, knowing the edict, knowing it had been signed by the king. And I love how it says, as he had done previously. Hearing this law, Daniel did not begin then to pray. Hearing this law, Daniel continued to pray. We're talking about years and decades of faithful habit and prayer. So that when the trial came, Daniel, this man of God, was was ready, was prepared. And so there he is, doing the same thing he's been doing all of these years as he faithfully serves the king and his God. Now, perhaps it's worth asking at this point, as Sinclair Ferguson does in his commentary on Daniel, this question. Would it make any substantial difference in our lives or the lives of our churches if prayer were banned for the next 30 days? Would it make any difference in your life at all? If we received an edict from our president saying, for 30 days, you're not allowed to pray. How would that change your personal devotion life? How would that change your marriage? How would that change your time with your kids? How would that change our churches? How would that change our church calendars? Maybe we wouldn't feel anything at all. I hope we would feel it. I hope we would feel it strongly I hope one of the things that we're learning during this lockdown is the necessity of prayer. I hope that that's one of the priorities that we're learning. I hope, by God's grace, that's one of the priorities that I'm learning and relearning because I need to relearn it over and over again is just how absolutely crucial prayer is to my life, to my marriage, to my parenting, to my house, to our churches and to everything that we do. Well, with that, the trap was set. And because David was so predictably, uh, habitually the same over and over again, these governors, these state traps, knew exactly what he was going to do, when he was going to do it, and where he was going to do it. And, and so they, they, they trap him. The trap was sprung. And so after uh, seeing this, uh, they uh, go to the king, they, they go to tattle on Daniel to tell the king that uh, Daniel has, in fact, broken this, uh, this law. And uh, when the king finds out, the king is devastated. The king is devastated um, when he hears that it's, that it's Daniel. And he tries, to, he tries to do everything that he can to, 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 to make it different, to protect Daniel, to save uh, Daniel. His impotence here is almost humorous. We're meant to really, to really see it. Over and over again, the satraps reminded uh, the king, this is the law of the Medes and the Persians. This is an irrevocable law. It cannot be changed. Yes, it could. He was the king. In fact, at the end of our story, he changes it. He can do anything he wants, but he doesn't. Why? To save face. 
This reminds us of another official, doesn't it? In the New Testament, a man by the name of Pontius Pilate who also knew of a man's innocence and yet gave in to the, to the mobs, to the crowds, to the pressure. And so he does what he feels like he has to do. Verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And, and, and the text goes on to tell us that the king was a, a sleepless mess that night. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He was eating the bread of anxious toil. Ferguson, again, is helpful. He says, it is better to be a child of faith in a den of lions than a king in a palace without faith. That's true. It's better to be a child of faith in a den of lions than a king in a palace without faith. The king is anxious, he's worried, he's sleepless. We're not given the details of uh, Daniel's night in the lion's den, um, but the sense that we get, the sense that we get is that he is resting his head on the pillow of the sovereignty of God. And with that, the curtains close on this second act, the second scene. The only question is, would Darius find Daniel dead or alive? Which brings us then thirdly to the triumph in verses 19 through 28. At break of day, verse 19, we read that the king arose and went in haste. Children, that means he, he hurried, he went as fast as he could to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now the boys and girls listening to this story for the first time, as they're Jewish fathers read this story to them, at this point would have been on the edge of their beds with their eyes wide open, wondering what would happen. You see, we know the outcome, but they didn't know the outcome. And then we hear the voice of Daniel. Then Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Daniel comes out and there's not a scratch on him. There's not a scratch on him. Verse 23 tells us that Daniel trusted in his God and the book of Hebrews Chapter 11 in the great hall of faith chapter doesn't mention Daniel by name, but it does say that by faith he stopped the mouths of lions. He stopped the mouths of lions by faith in the living God. And then we come after the king uh, goes through his just uh, 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 being amazed, right? And then verse 24, the consequence for those who maliciously uh, accused Daniel in the first place and the sobering scene of, of complete devastation. Verse 25. 
really the point of the chapter, and I would argue the point of the first half of the book of Daniel, verse 25. We, we, we see this over and over again in these opening chapters, that a, a, a pagan king uh, ends the book uh, with a testimony giving glory to the living God. And that's what we find here. Then King Darius, verse 25, wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages, notice that, it's going out everywhere, that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel's God is the living God. He's not one God among many gods. He's not one among a pantheon of gods. The idea here is not for them nor us to add the God of Abraham uh, to our emergency contact list when we happen to be in a den of lions and need to be rescued. That's not the idea here. The idea here is that he is the living God, the only living God, the everlasting living God. His kingdom will never be destroyed, unlike the kingdoms of Babylon, unlike the kingdoms of Persia and Israel and every other earthly kingdom that rises and falls. Daniel's God is the God who rescues and delivers. Unlike these impotent powerless kings. Friends, do you hear uh, the, the tremblings, the rumblings, the echoes to a future king and a future kingdom when a man like Daniel would be falsely accused declared innocent by a powerful politician and yet delivered over to death. Yet in that better story, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, isn't spared death. There's no uh, angel, but when he died, he really died, as we saw Friday night. He didn't just hang upon the cross. He, he died upon the cross. The Apostles' Creed, we confess that he was crucified, dead, and buried. Have you ever wondered why it says dead and buried? The Heidelberg Catechism tells us why, to show that he was really dead. Jesus really died on the cross and was really buried in a tomb, sealed with a stone. And it appeared as if death had won. Just like it appeared in this story when Darius goes to sleep, that 
Daniel wasn't going to survive the night. And yet here today on Easter Sunday, on the first day of the week, as the women uh, went to the tomb and as the, the disciples ran to the tomb and they found not a body there, they found the risen Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrate today and every Sunday and every day of the week that we serve a living God, a, a living Savior, a Savior who, who dwells in heaven, a Savior who intercedes on our behalf, a Savior who is living now, who is watching over the church now, who is watching over your life now, who is ever-presently ruling everything now. He ever lives. And this is what we celebrate. This is what we confess that we don't remember some relic. We worship and come before the living Savior, Jesus himself. The tomb was empty because the body of Jesus was raised from the dead and broke the power of sin and death and Satan and hell. This is God's answer to Darius's question. Can Daniel's God, deliver him from the mouth of the lions? And the answer is yes. He's the God who delivers and rescues. He delivered us and rescued us through his death on the cross in our place and through his bodily resurrection on the third day. And that is how he continues to deliver us. And he continues to, to rescue us even to this day. Maybe tonight you're wondering, can God now today deliver me from my sin? Pastor Dale talked about that this morning. Maybe you're thinking, my sin is, is, is too big, it's too much, it's too evil, it's too heinous. You have no idea uh, what my sin is, you have no idea where I've been, you have no idea what I've looked at, you have no idea my actions, my thoughts, my deeds, my words, you have no idea what, what comes out of my mouth, what goes into my head and my thought life, you have no idea. Can God save you, even you, from your wicked sins? And there's a, there's, a, there's a song that we sing at Grace Fellowship that we uh, sing at Harvest. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. <laughs> that is such good news. That His grace is greater than all of our sin. What about... Um, what about prodigal children. Maybe that's your situation tonight. Maybe, maybe Easter's hard because your son, your daughter has ran away from the faith. It's easy to give up hope. But Daniel 6 is God's answer to the question, can God save anyone? Can God save your prodigal? And the answer is an overwhelming yes. Let God be God, continue to pray, continue to reach out, continue to wait upon the Lord, but know this, that God is able to save anyone to the uttermost who comes to him through Jesus Christ. 
Daniel was delivered, why? Because he trusted in his God. But he wasn't delivered because of the volume of his faith. He was delivered because of the object of his faith. He was delivered because of the one in whom his faith rested. And that's why we're delivered. That's how we're delivered and rescued. Not because of the volume or measure of our faith and trust, but because of the one in whom our faith rests, Jesus Christ and our mighty saving God. But perhaps for you tonight, you're wrestling with other things, other questions, other concerns. Maybe you're battling a besetting sin. Uh, Maybe you're caught in a web of addiction and you've, you've given up hope. Uh, maybe you're on the verge of giving up hope. Maybe this season, these last weeks have been particularly difficult for you in isolation. Peter teaches, doesn't he, that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And maybe he's been preying on you and devouring you and tempting you. Can God deliver you? Can he deliver me? Can he deliver us from addiction and bondage and slavery to sin, besetting sin, anger, gluttony, lust, alcohol, whatever sin it is that you wrestle with and struggle with? Can he save your marriage this evening that's on the ropes that maybe feels lifeless and has no no life to it? Can he give you singleness? Can he really give you joy as a single person? Can he give you the joy to be able to walk by faith and honor him in a way that glorifies him and serves his church and people? The overwhelming answer, according to Daniel 6, is an overwhelming yes, he can. Because he's the God of the living. And he's a God who rescues and who delivers. See, the the gospel brings We sang of it, a double cure, doesn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ not only saves us from sin's guilt, but it saves us from guilt, from sin's power. Sin's power in our lives. The Holy Spirit who Jesus poured out upon us dwells within us if we're walking by faith, if we're looking to Jesus Christ. Can God deliver? Darius asked. Yes, he can. Can he save anyone? Yes, he can. Anyone who looks to him through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Can he give me victory? Can he give you victory over besetting sins? which has enslaved you, maybe, maybe for decades. Yes, he can. He's the God of the living. He's the God who rescues and delivers you out of your temptations as you look to him, as you lean on him. We have, Paul says in Colossians 3, been raised with Christ. Think of that. Think of that, the connection by virtue of union with Christ. We've been raised with Him. Since then, Paul says, you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In Jesus Christ, you've been raised. In his death, you've been crucified. Now, let's trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, this living hope. We serve a living God, a living Savior, who is able to save us and rescue us and deliver us. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that with your heart and your soul? Let's believe it together. Amen. Father in heaven, would you give hope to your people? Would you give hope to anyone listening and watching this message tonight who feels hopeless, who feels like he or she cannot get beyond this particular sin or who feels like they're living in a hopeless situation or, or maybe parents of a prodigal child. Father, we don't know all the ways of our Heavenly Father. Your ways are higher than our ways. We are mere creatures and yet Daniel 6 gives us this beautiful, profound uh, answer to the question that this king asked, can God do this? Yes, he can. Even as he raised Jesus from the dead, even so, he can do anything for his glory. And so help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us to look expectantly to you. Help us to be a people of living hope through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Our closing hymn this evening is a wonderful, triumphant hymn penned by Martin Luther. Uh, a mighty fortress is our God, verses 1 through 4.
Uh, today morning and evening, uh, we were encouraged, invited, called uh, to come to Christ. If you're watching this live stream and not a part of a, a local church, maybe a friend invited you to watch this and you have questions, you're not exactly sure um, what to do next, um, it looks like we're going to be on lockdown for a little bit longer, uh, so can I just encourage you uh, to, to reach out to one of the pastors. You can find us on uh, Harvest website or Grace Fellowship OPC's website, or reach out to anyone that you know, maybe someone that invited you. We would love to follow up with you and talk to you uh, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And now receive uh, this wonderful uh, blessing and benediction from God. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.